The face of Latina professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by real estate broker Miriam Galarza Holland. Miriam, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate you, Tony. It has been a pleasure getting to know you. You're a wonderful person with just this bright energy about you, but quite the story. <laughs> well, thank you. I think I do have a crazy story, yes. Crazy, not so much. Maybe to you it's crazy, but I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things that needs to be shared, but also uh, the wisdom that comes from the experience, right? Yes. Uh, I think has left you in a place, a better place than before, right? Absolutely, yes. But with that being said, uh, tell us originally where are you from? Actually, I was born and raised here in Chicago, um, a little place called Little Village, <laughs> where my parents still live to this date. So, yeah. That's awesome. Neighborhood girl. Neighborhood girl. Now, both parents are from where? Um, my parents are from Durango. Durango, Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Yes. Now, when was the first time you ever heard the word Latina and and that it related to you? It, it, I would say um, when I started the um, loan officer uh, or the financing um, world, that's when I started hearing more of the um, Latina world. Okay. And, and how do you identify as that? Or how did you become like part of that conversation where you're like, yeah, this is me, this is my community, more so than just, you know, I'm just Mexican, uh, I'm, I'm Latina. It just made me feel really good because I was really young when I opened up our own broker business. I was about 25. Oh, wow. And so um, being a Latina at that age and running our own business made me really feel really proud. And so the, uh, the community really emphasized on that. So made me feel really good about it. That's awesome. Now, your your journey into the world that you're in, the professional world of real estate, was quite the journey of how you got there, right? Oh, now, yes. originally started off in the insurance industry, but very young, like 14 young. Yes. Like, <laughs> tell me about that, how that whole thing started. I was making an astonishing $4 an hour yep. when I was 14. Um, my job was just to make sure that the policies matched the policies and lick those envelopes and send those envelopes out. So wow. um, from there, I really didn't know what was what. and But I pursued that career. And I did end up getting licensed in all four lines, which is auto, home, um, health, and um, life insurance. And, and I pursued it for a very long time, actually. And what, I guess, was it about the industry that kept you in it? Because it wasn't like you just did it for a little bit. You were in it for, like, out of high school. Yeah. And like you were saying, yeah. at 25, the insurance business was a bigger part of your life than just, I just did it for, you know. Yeah, I think sales and just meeting people overall, helping people um, save, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but save money or like life insurance was, I was big on life insurance. Um, helping people protect their money. Yes. Yeah. Um, save money, uh, you know, life insurance was big, like I said. And then um, from there, uh I had a broker pursue me and tried to convince me to be a loan officer, in which again, that just I thought it was just about telemarketing. Um, but I would say, it's, uh, within six months after him pursuing me, I decided to to start the loan officing business, and and I did. And um, a few months after that, I actually had to quit my insurance job that 
gave me an actual salary that fed my four children. And yes, I was a single mom then and single mom now. But, um, but it only took you like five months to get to that point, right? Yeah. It was quick. It was crazy. I mean, the the industry at that time was insane. So I was very blessed. And, and again, I was very young. So it was just booming. And here we go. Like we, it went from like just doing refis to doing, per, then purchasing came up. And then we had that opportunity to open up our own brokers, brokerage, excuse me. And, um, the owner of where we leased the space from offered me a position um, as a property management. So at wow. this time now I'm running a brokerage from uh, financing and also running um, 200, 150 to 200 units in the city of Chicago. Holy smokes. Um, so, and at the same time doing my own stuff. So I was pretty busy. <laughs> wow. I mean, it seems like everyone was after you, right? Like you were doing yeah. something, right? I was, I think I was. <laughs> But now one of the things that, that was really important to you and that you wanted to make sure it came across was this this idea of mental health that was a really big part of your journey, right? That had to do with overcoming things. And Absolutely. Life is life. And so as you're talking about all these professional experiences and, and you know, through it all, there is these personal experiences that were going on. And, and one of the things that you had mentioned was just part of being, I guess, uh, call it being Latina, Latino, right? That... It, it's one of those topics that wasn't talked about growing up that you just didn't have time for it right that you right. tell me a little bit about that aspect of things and how as you grew up started to appreciate that mental health more right not only for yourself but also for your family and how that's been a big part of your journey as well so it's a little bit different i think in in, in today's society in in today's kids um high school more than anything um Children are now suffering um, from depression, big time depression. Um, so for me, it's very difficult to understand because at that age, I did not comprehend um, depression because we, I was always on survival mode. Um, what, what do I need to do to get here from A to C or A to B, A to whatever? Um, so mental health, I think I'm very disappointed at the system now, um, just is because it's actually there's there's a waiting list to and it it is a fact that there's a waiting list to get a mental health help um and um i was always on survival mode um so i did not have time to think oh my gosh how am i going to do to what am i going to do to eat today so it, it it is true i would actually wake up earlier uh, when i was in high school to be able to go to eat in the lunchroom wow um that's what it was. And so if I got to eat at night, that was great. If I didn't, next time. And so that's what it was. My refrigerator was my window. When it was snowing, I would put the milk in the, in the snow until the next day. That's just the way it was. So wow. it was constant survival. There was no room to be able to think, poor me. That's the life we chose. So I, and I, it was just a constant move. And so, um, how does that shape you as an adult now, knowing that? You know, your kids don't have to go through that. Obviously, things are very different for you now. I mean, different place, right? But that that's not part of your story anymore. How does that help you appreciate life now? The sad part is the, the, the that depression does exist. Right, right, right. Right? And so um, it's hard to understand my children now because they are they are going through that. And so I don't understand because they have it all, right? So, everything material-wise, what I didn't have. So I thought that if I can give them 
everything they need material-wise, um, that they wouldn't suffer through this. So, so that's what I was focusing on, mm-hmm. that I would do give them everything I couldn't have right. growing up, that I would make sure they can have memories that I couldn't have growing up, that I would have conversations with them that I couldn't have with my parents, that I could motivate them. You know, unfortunately, what I was unable to get motivation from my parents. My parents right. didn't know any better. I love my parents to death, don't get me wrong, but we didn't get that um, when I was, you know, when we were younger. Um, but that that didn't work. That there's something still missing and I still don't understand it. So still part of the the journey. It's still part of my continuance journey to, to figure it out. Well, and, and, and I think as, as culturally, right. And, and I think you had the nail on the head that you think that by putting those things that um, are, are need to be addressed presently, not if I have these things then, right. Because then that's always putting that away from you. You're always saying at some point, not right now, when I have these things. And so I think you see that a lot and you hear that quite often that people who, um, Dale Carnegie said the best thing that can happen to a, a child is to be born into poverty. And it's because you, you, you know, there, there is that journey. There is that, um, that hope, right. That comes with these things. Yeah. But what is the thing that you see that's prevalent in suicide? And it always comes from the affluent. You don't hear of poor people taking their life, right? When right. it gets, even though it's too hard from that perspective. And I think it's because you get to a certain point where you go, I thought if I had these things, I'd feel better. Yeah. And now I got them, but I don't feel better. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the common theme when you get to talking about material possessions, right? A hundred percent. And 100%. how has that evolved for you in terms of being more so aware of that? Because for you, early on, one of the things that you had mentioned was that whenever you had a goal and you put a goal out there that we're told you couldn't do it, it almost motivated you more, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, um, As a kid, I was always told, that, you know, you're really not going to, your job is to be home and your job is to make sure you learn how to cook and stuff and be home and and so forth and so forth and and that was a dysfunctional part of you know my dad you know my dad is in such a better place now but I did feel like that's not gonna ever be me and I had friends and I was surrounded by many friends that was involved in cocaine heroin and you name it I was around it but it was not who I wanted to be for me Um, I didn't judge anyone that's that's the lifestyle they chose. But uh, I, I just, that was just not for me. I, yeah. I think, and I wouldn't say money was my motivation, but I wanted something better for me. For sure. That's that, that I, I, I did. I really did. Um, well, you don't seem driven by money. I mean, I think you understand that money has a, a, a role and it plays a role. Yeah. But I think for you, it's those things that money um, can bring, right? Yeah. That, that, that help others as well. What is it about you now that have you made it part of this mission? Because it sounds even every time we talk that real estate, as important as it is, and, and people need a place to live, uh, and, or maybe using it as a source of income, that you're really connecting with people on a personal level. Yeah, the gratifying part about real estate is those smiles, um, the text messages that I receive, like, you know, thank you so much. My family's so happy. You know, you money cannot buy that. Yeah. You know, yeah, you take a tequila bottle, congratulations, <laughs> or you get the, you know, the housewarming gift. But the gratifying part is the, 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 the smiles and like, oh my gosh, we got this and we did it. And if it's a long journey, short journey, 
it doesn't matter that it's I always tell people, why are you doing this when they want to come into the real estate business? Oh, if, if it's for the money, you need to go. It's this is not for you. It's either a passion or it's not. Wow. And, and that's what it is. It, it's it's a passion and it's really in you. I mean, it, it sucks. It might suck sometimes. Most of the time you can't take it. But I mean, but at, at closings or when we're doing that final walkthrough that um, that they have this look like it's really going to be awesome. <laughs> like this is great. That's the most gratifying part for me when I did loans. Like we did it. We did it. Like, yeah, we did it. We did it. Congratulations. So wow. insurance wise, I I mean, it, it's just in me. I mean, I just love helping people, period. And you're not only helping them in the transaction, but I think as, as you were mentioning, some of these times in your life where you, things were good, right? And then you knew you had a taste of what that was like, but no one was there to, to, to guide you through that and give you some of those uh, tips that could have prevented some of the uh, difficulties you went through, right? Yeah. How much of that experience do you take into working with your clients where you're like, listen, you know, this is all great, but... Let's be responsible. Let's, you know, let's, let's look at some of these things that can go wrong or ways that you can blow your money. How much of those experiences growing up have you making part of your business? I still do it today. Yeah. I, I make sure that I re- make sure I refocus. I'm like, okay, let's stay focused. Remember, you asked to stay at this budget. Now, if we go see this house, we're going to be off this budget. Do you want me to stay focused on this? Because, you know... For me, hey, I'm going to make more money. Right. And they look at me like, damn, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I'm right. I'm going to make more money. It's not going to bother me, but it's going to bother me when you're you're going to be looking at like, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Now, if it's going to, if you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be okay with this payment, then I'm going to be happy and you're going to be happy and it's a win-win. But it's not going to be a win-win when all we've been talking about is stay focused on your budget. And I still have that today. So... Not mostly my millennials. It's funny because usually millennials, you would think that millennials have that problem. It's not that. It's my older people who have that. I can believe that, though, because I feel like, I mean, not to throw myself under the bus, but like I feel like I'm part of that category that, you know, growing up, money was just not something that it was like carrying cash and, you know, they're not investing. You're not doing these things. How much of it is what you see cultural where you're having to overcome cultural um, whatever, you know, just stereotypes? Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, definitely my Hispanics, um, and my Hispanic people, I have to make them come back to reality. I also have a lot of my African-American friends that, that I have to come back because they look at pictures and they love it. And then I have to, let's come back to reality. I, I don't mind showing it, but let's come back to reality. Right, and right, then. Right that text message, you know what, Miriam, I was thinking about it. You're right. Thank you so much. You know what? I'm going to wait on that. Let's wait on that. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, it's not a sale right away and that it's okay. It's going to come back to me. Absolutely. And and it does. Absolutely. So um, how have you used, you know, who you are really this to create um, a community around you that, because it sounds like you're not, you're not just connecting with people and they're, they're, transactional you're making friends right yeah. and you're really connecting with the community and you care deeply how have you been intentional about attracting the type of people that you know resonate with you that are on that same wavelength as you i don't know just kind of <laughs> it just kind of happens it just happens i've been so blessed i've been so blessed uh i you know i i i've had so many bad things happen but you that's have, one yeah. of but i but 
one of those things with creating relationships um, has been a true blessing for me and, and keeping the relationships with them. And my referrals, uh, it's just been amazing. Wow. I mean, you're a testament to overcoming. What advice would you give to women out there, especially Latinas, right? That just, you you have been in, in, in kind of this uh, mode of seeking better for a while. That, as you mentioned to me earlier, it's okay to share that, you know, growing up, it wasn't the best situation at home. And so you removed yourself from that situation, you know, and as you got older, you had to make some tough decisions. What advice would you give to women who find themselves in a very difficult place, whether it be dark, depressed, you know, um, not maybe not a good place at home? What advice would you give to take the first steps in overcoming that? It's still hard for me now, but surrounding yourself with good people. Um, me, for one, uh, my brother's my best friend. Um, and I think becoming part of the team that we created it, that is family, completely family oriented, um, my sister-in-law, my niece, my oldest brother, um, that saved me. That it coming into that environment saved me. Surround yourself with good people. I mean, there's memes about like, you know, who's at your table? That's it's not a joke. Who is at your table? And who do you, are you surrounding yourself with? I'm not telling you to go with a bunch of rich people. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you surround yourself with intelligent people. I'm telling you to surround yourself with good hard pe- people. Um, people who can teach you something. People who are genuine. People who want you to succeed. That is what I can tell you. And that's what saved me from going from a dark place to waking up like, why am I awake? <laughs> what am I going to do today? It's like, no, get up, just take a shower, go to the office and just smile and do what you need to do and make things happen on a daily basis. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's great advice. And what about on the other note of it where, um, you know, as well, I guess on that same note that as you surround yourself with good people, what advice would you give to remove yourself from the bad people? Right. Cause sometimes that's, that can seem almost impossible, right? Depending on the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, for me, I I um, I actually didn't, I actually just cut off my relationship. cold turkey. Yeah, I I do. I mean, that seems like good advice. I I, I um, I'm not rude, but I I just stop. I, I do actually just stop talking to the person. I'm, I'm really that type of person, like, I don't mess with anyone, and I don't like to be messed with. I go to work to work, and yes, we joke around because we're all family, and we laugh, and we make jokes and whatnot, but um, other than that, I I don't really... <laughs> yeah. like I don't have to, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of that. I'm too old for that. No, no, no it makes <laughs> sense. You know, just, I mean, why why have to put up with those kind of things, right? And as you're saying, you're, you're really surrounding yourself with good people. So, you know, with that, I know you're still always going through something, right? And, and, and that seems to be a part of your journey. But on a, on a brighter note, how have you uh, turned that into something positive where now part of that future looks bright and hopeful, right? Where yeah. What's the vision like for... for this year, but just in the future coming up? 
I mean, I think, and it goes back to my to 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 my brother and in, in our in our in our team. He has done such a phenomenal job. My niece has um, branding ourselves, our billboards, our benches, um, the branding. I mean, the the marketing. Which, by the way, I I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm complete. I have no talent in that in any way, shape, or form. Um, but well, my job is to talk. Look, you, you got um, that's part of the branding. Show. I mean, look at you. You showed up. You look great. Yeah, you. yeah. You got a good presence about you. That's that's a big part of the brand, right? <laughs> you, I, I get what you're saying. Though, the digital part of the branding. The digital right? part, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we still come together and we put our thoughts together and. And um, and the good thing is we also have some of the same visions as to being part of making sure that we appreciate our clients. And so that that makes it all real. Right. Um, so that's another good thing that that it works for all of us. So and I know that we have many more conversations to have. So uh, but I do want to ask, this: how did you get from the insurance part of things, to the mortgage to then the real estate broker? Because I got to answer that question. <laughs> So insurance, obviously, like I said, I was very young. Um, then I got convinced into going to the uh, to the financing world. Um, from the financing world, I was still in pro- property management. But 2008 comes, market crashes. Um, I ended up moving out to this small town called uh, Freeport in Stevenson County. Um, then um, I actually got licensed there. So I started working for um, this gentleman. Um, his name is Jerry. And I had no idea about real estate. I mean, I had an idea, obviously, but not the real world. Stevenson County is probably a population of, I don't know, 16,000 people. So small, small town. Very small town. Um, so I, from, <laughs> from being 25, and I thought I was the coolest Latina in the world because <laughs> I was in the six figures, I went down to like making 25 to 30,000. But I really, I really wasn't complaining because I, I had a partner at that time and the cost of living was nothing compared to Chicago. Right, so right. I was okay. Unfortunately, I lost him in 2013. Um, I, I was working as a post closer for one of the banks at Freeport in Freeport. And, um, then I, like I said, I, I got licensed in 2014 and, um, the father of my children, um, I had notification that he was being deported. So I, at that point, realized, Miriam, you have absolutely no way of making any type of income. Like, this is it. Here you are with four children making $1,800 a month. Like you're capped by a salary. That's it. You're yeah. capped. You're done. Right. That's it. No more. Right. That's it. Um, so Uber didn't exist at that time. You know, there's just no way of making more money. So at that time as a family, we decided to come back to where we were originally from, which is Chicago. Um, but before that, my, my brother, um, had made me a call and asked, um, to get interviewed by a top producer and I did and I got hired. (laughs) And so I was an assistant to, uh, um, Lydia Mamedi. She's, you know, a high top producer. I did not know at all mm-hmm. who I was working for. And again, had I known then, I would have been like, damn. Maybe more nervous. <laughs> oh, I probably was. I mean, I was hired on the spot. Um, so um, I not only was I hired on a spot, but I was offered a home and we lived in, we, I think it took us a month to come back to Chicago, to Chicago. Well, we moved to Burr Ridge, got the kids in school and started right away and. 
I lived and breathed short sales for a long time, but it just went from like, again, but, but I was making good money, not six figures yet. Right. But I was making good money. I mean, you were back on track, you know, that hope was restored. Yeah. I was on a mission, like nothing's stopping me. Um, and no cap this time, no cap. Like I was getting bonuses. I was getting recognized. Yeah. That was so important for me. And, um, Nick Mimetti, um, I, I will never forget him just because he, he saw that drive that I had. He knew that there was no limit. Like, what do you need? And I, I'm going to be here. And they, they will always make fun of me that I was sending emails in my dreams and <laughs> whatever and whatnot. Um, so, um, listings came to me freely. I would say I didn't look for them as what realtors do now. I didn't, I didn't even know what you know what I mean? I just right, did right, it. Right. Um, so <laughs> I laugh at it now. I'm like, dang, oh, I could have made so much more money. <laughs> but everything in due time. In due time. But, you know, at, at, to hear your story, and I mean, it's just so, it's an incredible story at that, right? But that there's so much to be learned from it that there's wisdom in there to share. And, you know, obviously you're a real estate broker. So if you're out there listening and want to connect with Miriam, you can do so by filling out the form and she'll get that directly in her inbox. But, you know, above and beyond just the real estate stuff, what a wealth of wisdom um, on this journey you're you're on and really trying to seek something beyond just the material. Right. That I think Mm -hmm. there's an essence to that. So, you know, uh, I really appreciate you being vulnerable enough to to share your story and some of the difficulties in it. But I'm very grateful uh, for you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.